0: Timothy 5, 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, I know that here in this church, you will have moments where the prophetic takes place. And here in this church, there are moments when you pray for healing and believe God for great things. But I also understand that those aren't the predominant ministries of this church, that it really does boil down to the preaching and teaching of God's word. That's what my pastor taught, taught me growing up. That's what Pastor Malazzo has taught his staff and imputed to them, and they are gifted in the area of teaching and preaching. Are they not? Yeah. Amen. And that is what... It, uh, are they not? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, amen. And that... Uh, you, by the way, I'm, I'm Sicilian, so everything is like this. And the more you yell, the more I feel like God showed up. But it's okay. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. I'm just saying. But understand that this church's wheelhouse is what I believe is the difference maker. And I believe that's why God said they're worthy of double honor. Because the preaching and the teaching of the word is where souls come into an encounter with God. And names get written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? So thank God for that. But listen to the portion of Scripture that says that they direct the affairs of the church well. There are people who try to direct the affairs of the church, and it just doesn't go so good. But how many people understand that in this house of worship... Under the leadership of Pastor Steve Milazzo and the great men of God around them and the great women of God around them as well, but for, for our pastors, they have directed this ministry in a, in a place that is heading 100% pedal to the metal towards the cross. Are you grateful for that today? They have done well and they're doing well. Come on, you can do better than that. They are doing fantastic for the glory of God. What I want to do is give you food for thought this morning about what it means to have a relationship with a pastor, what you can do to foster that relationship between you and the pastors of your church. And here's the thing. Number one, get to know the heart of your pastor. If you, could, if you desire to make a relationship with somebody, you should get to know what their heart really, what makes them tick, what, what, what is inside them, what are, they, what are they passionate about and zealous for. And the funny thing was is, is I, I pray, God, how, how do I know the vision? How do I know what they're about and these are the words God gave me. Listen, we envision a spirit-filled, multi-ethnic, dynamic, and healthy church that disciples people and empowers leaders to impact multiple communities. Now, oddly enough, that's exactly the vision statement of this church. You know why I was able to do that when I prayed and asked God, Lord, give me those words? Because he said, well, check out the website, eh? So I did. And there it was in front of me, the vision, the heartbeat of your pastor and pastors. And then their core values were there. Biblical truth, balance, unity, missional, family, and quality. The funny thing was is I stopped to, to use the restroom, and as I was just g- going in there noticing all the upgrades that, that the church has done to make everything beautiful and smell nice, I walk in, and there in front of me was the heartbeat of Pastor Steve, vision, mission, Core values, right there on the wall. Talk about using space wisely, amen? Just getting it out there that everybody can know the heart of their pastors by simply taking a moment to say, what is the church about? What is the church striving to achieve together as one? When you get to know their heart, it's a big deal. How many people by show of hands have taken the foundations class here? Amen. That's a lot of people, amen? Get this. I teach foundations because I remember Pastor Steve said to me, Aunt, if you're at that pulpit and you lead people to Jesus, be the one to f- be the first one to teach them about the core values of the Word of God. And I said, you know what, it makes absolute sense. And I even encourage people who are in the church, 10, 20, 30 years, to take the class anyway because there's so much to be learned, but so much time to spend together because you hear vision as well and you hear passion as well. So it's just a great way for us to connect with you. Get to know your pastor's heart if you want to build a relationship The next thing is this, know what a pastor does. Understand that it's more than just a Sunday morning experience. A lot of times people would say, well, what do you do during the week? I mean, you show up on Sunday and just like hang out all week? Like, yeah, I hang out all week. I do nothing. I I lay in a pool and drink lemonade. That's what I do. And then all of a sudden, I get this word from heaven, and I show up on Sunday. Boom, there it is, you know. But that's not how it goes, and you know that. You know what I equate it to? Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we need to get into the word so we can be equipped. But our goal and our job is to equip you, as Ephesians 4.11 says. So we turn around and understand that your pastors is gonna teach you. They're gonna rebuke you. At times, a good rebuke is needed. As a parent, I know there's times when I had to rebuke my kids to give them instruction so that they can live life the way they should. Sometimes you gotta be a bit more stern and focused and, and in your disciplinary measures to get them to understand you could harm yourself or somebody if you keep up with that particular direction that you're heading. Correction comes in various ways. Loving, caring, explaining, etc., and training. I know that this church is passionate about training up leaders, about pouring into other people, and that's exactly what they're about. The role of a priest is to hear from the people and go to God on the people's behalf. The role of a prophet is to hear from God and go to the people and tell them what the king said. Now, the pastor has to do both. He cries out to God for you as the church, but he also wants to hear from God to tell you what the Lord has for his people. This just doesn't happen by walking up to a pulpit on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden getting some divine revelation. What you would have is random thoughts on God every week. And you don't know what you're going to get if you have your your pastor doing something like that. But to me, it's like a football game. Every Sunday, you get to see the guys go out there and play the game. When the game is over, the, coach st- the coaching, the staff, the players, they don't say, all right, guys, see you next Sunday. All right, who are we playing? I don't know. We'll see you next Sunday. Just show up. We'll be there. It's going to be great. we are going to have a good time. That isn't what happens. You see, after the game and the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on is tremendous. There's so many things that you wouldn't even know about that your pastoral staff is engaged in during the week. Understand that they're busy about God's business in so many different ways. I've learned this over the course of time and recognize that it becomes quite strenuous to try to make sure you can meet the needs of a congregation that's growing healthy, vibrant, and alive. But here's the thing. Just like that coach with the football team, he's got to train his players to get better, And that's what Pastor Steve and the team here does. They train leaders to get better so that every time there's a moment ministry happens, every time we engage with community, every time we do something that's beyond these walls or inside, we're getting better and better at it by having our pastors pour into us so that we can do more for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's the correcting of mistakes. Sometimes it's during the service that you notice them. Sometimes it's with the people in the congregation and sometimes it's with the staff amongst one another. But there's sharpening that has to take place so that things can continue to move on in a healthy and vibrant way. Then there's dealing with injuries think about a Sunday football game, how many times you see somebody carted off the field and they, can, they can't continue anymore. They pull an Achilles heel or they rupture this or hurt that. And you, you look at the injury report to see if your player that you love is going to be playing and taking the field that week. And he goes on IR, injured reserve. And we need to understand that in the same way a coach has to deal with the injuries on and off the field, a pastor has to deal with the injuries in and out of church. Sometimes people get hurt or offended in church and there's pastor trying to go and mend the wound and extend the olive branch. Sometimes you go through things in your personal life. You lose a loved one. You have a situation where your marriage is falling apart. Financially, you're crushed over scenarios that are overwhelming you. Maybe someone you love is addicted. Whatever the scenario, there are things that happen inside and outside of the church that pastor has to be proactive and be involved so that we can get you through these things and point you to the cross where your true healing comes from. He has to study the game plan. Every time a game ends on a Sunday, that coach is looking towards next Sunday already. They're studying the film. They're getting their mind on the opposition so that they know what they got to do when they show up. And I know that Pastor Steve and the team here, they're constantly looking at the Word of God, studying God's plan for Bethlehem Assembly. You've got to be grateful for that. These are men that are never content with where they're at. They want to continue to grow. They want to continue to learn. They want to continue to be stretched. They want to continue to go to places they've never gone before. It's almost like the Star Trek over here, a group of guys. They're, they're, they're seeking out new life and new civilizations, boldly going where no man has gone before. That would make Pastor Steve Kirk. And Pastor Tony Spock. All right. So, as they journey and they do this stuff together, understand that they're studying the game plan because pastors wear so many hats, and it's what's between the Sundays that really matters. It's great when we get together. It's great when people tune in on iStream, a live stream, whatever. We have uStream, you, you have iStream. I love iStream, whatever you're talking about. But when when we do this thing on Sunday, as great as it is, it's what happens between the Sundays that make this come together the right way. A pastor, listen to this: all the different roles he plays between himself and his congregation. He's a coach. He's a friend. He's a therapist. He's a mediator. He's an arbitrator. He's a parent. He's a contractor, he's an event planner, he's a public relations expert, and it goes on and on. There's so many different things your pastor is doing. Please don't think that he is is just hanging out, doing nothing while you're breaking your back all week long. They are pushing themselves. Know what your pastor does. And then there's another thing here. It's called knowing his limitations. Understand that these are men. They got a heartbeat. They breathe the same air we breathe and they go through the same things that you and I go through. And I want us to recognize two types of limitations that they have no matter how much you look at them and you're blessed by them. They are limited in their time and they are limited in their abilities. And I believe that the number one gift Jesus has given me is salvation. How about you? Salvation, man, there is nothing like it under the sun. Knowing that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that I have eternal life through the King of kings and Lord of lords, it doesn't get any better than that. And then on top of it, he baptized me with his Holy Spirit so that I could be a witness and be empowered in this world. These are some serious gifts our our Father has given us in heaven. Amen? As a pastor, I came to learn one gift that I wanted to give the church passionately and with a lot of love, and I believe these pastors have learned it as well. It's called the gift of no... Pastor, I need to meet with you. No. Well, but pastor, I have an emergency. Not now. Well, pastor, you've got to do this for me. I've got, No. And there's various ways that these pastors have learned to dish out no to you. They can say no. They can say no. <laughs> and you can say, tell my secretary. She'll tell them no. You know, <laughs> however it comes down the pike. And the reason why, and understand this, is every time they have a packed schedule, and you say, I need you now. What you do is you take the 20 minutes, the 30 minutes, the hour, the hour and a half, and it takes away from their ability to be a dad, to be a, a husband, you know, to, to be there for their family or to do the things that they vowed, to go and be there when their kids have a recital or be there when a baby is born, to be there with their wife when they promise to go on a date, to take their family away and get a break like Pastor Jared did, who I commend For going away, even though today is a special day, he needed the time and he had to take it. And we recognize that they are limited. And if they don't say no here, then you could see them one day burning out as their family crumbles and falls. Give them the courtesy of being able to tell you, I can get together with you, but it's going to take a couple of weeks. Don't be upset about that. Say, thank God that the schedule is full and they're doing all they can to meet the needs of this body of believers and then some as well. Please don't become the codependent church that everything you do hinges on what Pastor Steve will say. Oh, but if only Pastor Steve would be here. Listen, babies need to be fed. Adults know how to feed themselves. Can we grow up, church? Can we start taking responsibility? If you came to this church... Because of pastor's charisma. Let's face it. He's handsome, elegant, intelligent, sweet. He's really ideal. <laughs> if you knew what that came from, you'd laugh even more. Listen, I get it. He, I love listening to this man preach. Even to today when I hear him speak, I'm like, go, 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 go. You know? He brings it and he's anointed. And I love it. Amen. But if you came here because Pastor Steve is here, you will be leaving soon because Pastor Steve is here. Because who you sit around with in the beginning and have a honeymoon with, one day he will rub you the wrong way by something he says, by something he does, something he forgets. And you're going to be like, you know what he did? And all of a sudden you walk out. But if you came here because the Holy Spirit said this is home and Jesus said this is the house you worship in, you ain't going nowhere. These pastors don't want people hanging on their coattails. They want warriors to go to the front lines and win souls for Jesus. And their abilities, guys, they're they're, they're just like you and I. There's only so much that they can do, and I want to encourage you. When Pastor Steve unbuttons his shirt at home to Lisa, there is an S under there, but it just stands for Steve, not Superman. We're limited in our abilities. You see, he's just like you and I. If it's a long day, him, Tony, Henry, Jared, they're going to miss their families. They get tired. They get hungry. They get sick. They might even forget something that meant a lot to you. Forgive them. They get stressed, and at times they even regret some of their decisions they've made or the words that they've said. And with an apology, they humble themselves and say, I messed up. You see, we're limited in time, and we're limited in abilities. Second Chronicles 1.10 says this, and this is my prayer as a pastor, and I know it's theirs as well. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? It's the Lord who does the guiding here, people. We're just trying to do the best we can as an under-shepherd. Then find out what he likes. The Apostle Paul made it clear to Timothy, hey, when you come down, bring my cloak that I left with Carpus at Trous, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. See, the Apostle Paul was like, yo, bring my, bring my jacket, man. I miss that. That's my favorite jacket. I got that blazer. It goes really good with the vest. And you wear the untucked shirt. Hot. That's my version, the ALP version of the Bible. And then he's like, bring my books, too. I mean, I want to I read them again. I want to I go over them again. So he had things that he liked. Find out what these men like. You know that they love Jesus. That's, that's a given. You got that. The whole church thing. You know they love church. But what else do they like? What, what makes their heart beat a little faster? For Pastor Jared, it's hair care product. You know that, you know, gel, gel, just. <laughs> Pastor Henry loves his soccer, doesn't he? Uh, it's funny because I saw him before service and I said, you know, it says that those who keep the house of God, that they do it well. And he goes, that's the original Greek word for smashing. <laughs> they are doing a smashing job, your pastors. Pastor Henry loves his soccer. Pastor Tony, now first service, I said it was a con pollo, but he turned to me and he goes, hey, take it easy. He turned to me and he said, "It's the Godfather movies. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? But now we know. <laughs> Greet him, say hey, leave the guns, take the cannolis. This is his thing. You know, I was just going with it. And Pastor Steve, you know how he loves his Yankees, don't you? Loves his Yankees, loves oh, his Yankees, oh, yeah, his Yankees. <laughs> but you know what he really loves? The yes, the pasta fazzoletti." Hey. For me it's chicken parmesan and angel hair pasta, obviously blessed of God, angel hair, get it? My email's angel hair pastor, talk to me people. We also understand this, that he's also passionate about a little grandbaby, isn't he? And all of them are passionate about family and you know, not just the ones that they go home to be with after they leave here, they're passionate about this family. These men love you. No questions asked. Amen. And I know that to be the absolute truth. And here's, I got two points left. I'm wrapping it up really quick. Right. So, that's like Pastor Steve's. And in conclusion, that's like a 30 minute conclusion, at least. I love it. Support him, support them, get behind them, and let them know that you stand with them. Don't be adversarial. Be someone who connects and lifts up arms so victory can be won in the camp while your leaders stand with their hands held high to Jesus. See, when you do this, it's victory. When you do this, it's defeat. A boxer's got his book on the table. A boxer's got his hands up. He can defend himself. Hands down, he's a punching bag. These pastors need to have their hands up. That, it even makes a when you do it, right? That's victory. Hold their hands up. Hold their hands up for them so that they can reach out to God and praise his name and keep moving forward. Support your pastors by praying for them. Do you pray for your pastors? Do you get up in the morning in the secret place and cry out to God and say, Lord, cover my pastors, be with these precious men, help them to have wisdom, help them to be uh, safe from the, the lies of the enemy and the temptation that comes their way and, the, and the, the, the adverse effects of the way the enemy infiltrates the camp and tries to cause division. Lord, don't let that happen in our house of worship and keep our pastors strong. Support him. And please, don't be that person who thinks going on social media and tearing them down is a good way to get some conversation going. Because I tell you what, for me, when someone goes on social media, I look at it immediately as one of the most immature people I've ever, I've ever, I've ever known. If you can't go to somebody eye to eye and let them know what bothers you, and you got to write it down and get people out there, don't do that. Let me tell you what it is. It's sin. Sin. It's called libeling. And if you want to tear down your pastor and leave it out there for everybody to hear, shame on you. Shame on you. I don't know if Pastor Steve would ever say it, but I have no problem telling you because I'm leaving here. (laughs) I'll invite him to tell my congregation, all right? Speak life to the men of God. There was a situation in Acts 23, verses 4 and 5. And the Apostle Paul was just told by the high priest... To be punched in the face. So someone by Paul punched him right in the face. And Paul turned to the high priest. He goes, who do you think you are? You break the law. You act like you keep it, but you break it by commanding him to hit me. And then they turned to Paul and said, how dare you talk to the high priest like that? And Paul's words were this. Brothers, I did not realize he was the high priest. For it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. See, the high priest of the day was the senior pastor of that area. And here he is, the senior pastor. Don't you speak a negative word about this man of God if you want the Lord to bless you. Know that you're going against the heart of God if you come against these men. It got real quiet. Man, I'm preaching better than you're amening. Don't spe- You speak against them in that public, all that stuff, you are coming against the heartbeat of God. It doesn't mean that they were right. It might mean you're right. But to do it in a way that's demeaning, to tear down without love, compassion, you go to them and you speak eye to eye. Be that church that's mature enough and and wise enough to do things the way Matthew 18 says, go to one another. Let me ask this question. Have the vision of these pastors and the works of their hands for the kingdom of God in this place been tested and seen to be truly the heartbeat of God? Come on. Has the vision and the work that has been done here been, been proven and tested that it was truly the heartbeat of God? So, if you know God has already spoken, they are proven, they are tested, and they are worth getting behind and believing in and knowing that they hear from heaven and knowing that they're moving forward in the ways of the Lord. You want to build a relationship with your pastors, support them, stand with them. Be there as a a prayer pillar for these men of God and let them dream. Let him dream. He's one of the most creative men I know. Let him be able to just think outside of the box. Let him, you know, he came up with Hope Day. And last year we had 19 sites. Out in Suffolk County, people don't, they don't all know about Pastor Steve, so I'm like, yeah, Hope Day, that's my thing. <laughs> they don't know him yet. It's, no, it's affected a lot of people. Why? Because you let him dream. You let him take something beyond Bethlehem and grow with it. And look at what God does when he has the license to dream. Don't try to put him in a box. Don't try to stifle him. Don't try to quiet him. Look at this pulpit up here. It didn't look like this when I left 20 years ago. I think about when I was a kid growing up in Brentwood. My mom was into this Spanish decor thing. Any of you ladies, your moms in here, were into that? Like the walls had like red velvet wallpaper. And there was, there was like these shields with swords and knights in shining armor standing all over the place. And there were, you know, like flamenco dances, all this weird stuff. Mom was into it. Now, she did it because that was, in the day, a good look. Is anybody here still have that Spanish decor going on at home? Why? Because decor changes preferences changed, but mom always made sure that no matter what the color of the walls looked like or what was hung up on the wall, that it still felt like a home for the ones who live there. So although the pulpit has changed and it's blacked out, and I know why he has so many screens, because if you in the corner got to look over there, and you in the corner got to look over there, you could strain your neck. So he does not want any pulled muscles in this church, so he puts screens up all over so you could just look straight. You never have to look this way. Straight. Right? no insurance policies for pulled neck muscles oh I had to look at the screen in the corner he's changed things up your pastor why? because he knows there's a generation out there that if they walk in here they'll be like hey this is pretty cool but you know what? something has never changed whether it was the way it was when I left here 20 years ago or today this is a home and you know when you come here you're with family no matter how it looks up here with the screens and the, and the trusses and all that I'm telling you, let him dream. Because I know when he says those words, follow me as I follow Christ, when Pastor Tony says that and Pastor Jared and Pastor Henry, if you truly get behind them and you follow them as they follow Christ, you're on your way to heaven. I know it. I know because they're headed to the cross. That's the only path they want to be on. They are radically in love with Jesus. And because of that, I get to my last point. And this is it. Serve the Lord. If you want to build a relationship with your pastor, if you really want to know who he is, serve the Lord. 2 uh, Thessalonians 1.4 says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. You see, people think that we like to brag about numbers when we get together as pastors. How many people did you have on Sunday? Oh, I had so many. How many did you have? You know what really matters to us when we get together? How many people did you baptize? Did you hear about so-and-so? They went out and they started a ministry. Hey, this one's winning souls on the street. We want to boast about you that when the world comes against you because you take a stand for marriage, you take a stand for the unborn, you take a stand for the ability to preach the gospel, you stand your ground. We boast about people like you because we're so proud of the fact that God used us to pour into you. And now you're out there and you're standing on the solid rock and no matter what the world throws at you, you will not be moved because you're going to serve the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And man, if you want to appreciate your pastor, then you serve your master. Go ahead, put that in your phone and tweet it. Numbers are great, but a transformed life is what it's all about. Lights out living, folks. That means when you go home and the lights are out, you're still living for Jesus like you were sitting in the chair on a Sunday morning. When no one can see what you're up to, you're still honoring God. You're still thinking about Jesus. You're still feeling those goosebumps you felt. It's not a church on Sunday morning experience with a music loud that gets you excited. You get excited because you think about the cross and the shed blood. And you say, Lord, you did it for me. I'm in this. All in, oh God. The way you died for me, I want to live for you. Serve the Lord. And that's going to encourage. That's going to show appreciation to your pastors. I say this. If you stay on fire for God, you won't have to worry about getting burnt by the enemy. I'll say that again because, honestly, it's mine and it's good. If you stay on fire for God, you won't have to worry about getting burnt by the enemy. Don't let that fire diminish. Psalms nine five talks about, you hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. You see, God is the great tailor of life. And you might go out and you might look at Men's Warehouse for a suit. You might go to DSW. Is that a shoe store? That's a TJ Maxx. And, and look for a dress, ladies, and you might show up there and look at it on that mannequin or guys, you see it on, that, on that, that hanger and it looks so nice and you put it on and all of a sudden, guys, that suit's frumpy looking and it's all weird and ladies, you put that dress on that was on the mannequin you're like, it fits, it fits, I think it's great. You might need to take it out a little bit. All right, you do that and it doesn't look right so you got to get the tailor involved and what does the tailor do? He assesses. She assesses, looks at it, and starts cutting away, maybe adding here and adding there. And I want to let you know that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he comes in like a tailor now, and he starts assessing who you are, and he cuts this out, and he cuts that out, and all of a sudden, this beautiful gift of salvation starts to fit you the right way, so when you walk out into the world, they see someone who's serious about Jesus. So let God do some tailoring this morning, because he is in the business of sanctification. My dad was a sanitation worker growing up. Amen. Oh, there's power in the name. He's a sanitation worker. And I remember going to work with him and watching him do what he does. And he would go to work to throw out people's garbage. But yes, God is moving with the sanitation. And in order for him to throw it out, they had to bring their garbage to the curb. Now I'm saved. And my natural dad was a sanitation worker, but my heavenly father is a sanctification worker and he's still in the business of getting garbage out of people. But you see, the same story goes to be told. If you, want to, if you want God to get the garbage out, you got to give it to him. Because if not, you become a hoarder. And you know what hoarders, they can't get around. Things get difficult for them, and it starts to stink. Please know that if you're hiding sin in private, it will come out in public. But if you live lights out for Jesus in private, he will promote you in public. You see, it's all about what's happening. When no one is looking, let the Lord be the tailor of your life and sanctify you. Let him get the garbage out so you can grow and be who you want him to be. I want to show you a picture right now. I'm going to tell you the story to this, and the reason why is this. David Platt, the author of Radical, I know this church went through a great series on the book Radical. David Platt in an interview said this. The church has gotten to the point where they have substituted the blood of Jesus with Kool-Aid to make the world like the way it tastes. We need to be careful of that because I know that when Pastor Steve preaches a message, he preaches a message of judgment and wrath balanced with the love of God. If you don't give them the full story, they're going to they're find themselves in a place where Jesus just didn't work. You ever hear that before? Oh, I tried that Jesus thing. It just didn't work for me. Well, most likely that what they got was something that was partial. Instead of the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. It's like telling somebody who you give a car to, hey, you're blessed, man. Now just put gas in it and you'll be able to go as far as you want. But you never tell them to change the oil and eventually the engine seizes And they'll say, oh, that car was pretty cool for a little while. I kept putting gas in. But you know what? The engine seized, so it didn't work out for me. So I had to find another way to get to where I was going. If you only give them half the story and not all the information, they're never going to get to where they got to go. They're never going to be able to do what they have to do. If we don't tell them that Jesus Christ will judge sin, if we don't tell them that he shed his blood so that we can have everlasting life, if we don't let them know that we need a new nature by becoming born again, by confessing our sins, then we are not letting them understand the dire need of being rescued that's what they need to be saved from themselves the sin that they're in but then there's the balance right the love and in this picture there's Satan with that feather in his hat and he's playing chess against mankind mankind's got his head holding his, his, his hand holding his head and he's in this place of despair because he's in checkmate mankind is lost and the devil is won and there the angel of the Lord is standing watching and the story goes, I didn't make it up, Billy Graham did he, so many years ago, the story goes like this, it was a great chess tournament going on and one of the players left his seat in between matches and he saw this painting and he was studying it and looking at it and studying it and all of a sudden he starts yelling out, it's wrong, it's wrong. And someone goes, what's wrong? The painting, it's wrong. It's not checkmate. You see, mankind's king has one more move. Now put it into perspective. When the devil tells you he's got you in checkmate back up against the wall, nothing you can do about it, you need to know something, man, woman of God, that your king has one more move, doesn't he? That no matter how Friday it looks, there's a Sunday coming right around the turn, right? And Jesus Christ knows the cancer, he knows the addictions, he knows the financial stress, he knows the marital problems, he knows all of these things, and yes, he's a God who wants to save you from impending doom, but he's also a God who cares about the right now in your life that you're living. So if in this place you realize just how amazing God is and that he has one more move, can I get a shout out for Jesus right now? Come on, let's praise the name of the Lord. I want you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. Two things that I want to put in your mind before I leave here today. And that's the idea number one, are you right with God? Because the sanctification happens based on repentance. And number two, are you in need of a touch from God? Because when you're being sanctified, he's also there to say, I got one more move. I have not given up on you. If you need Jesus today to forgive you of your sins, if you need, I talked a lot about pastors today, but let me tell you about the relationship part that I talked about. You could turn that right into the idea of God's heart. You know, knowing God is, is, is the same way in all those things. If you need to get your life right with Jesus, you came to church today, you said, you know what, I guess I'll go. I guess I'll give it a shot. Well, you know what, we're glad you gave it a shot. And I hope and pray that the Spirit of God has spoken to you right now because there is only one way to heaven. And there's only one way to be a child of God. That's to confess your sins before the Lord Jesus Christ. So before you can get tailored, you need to surrender. And if there's anybody here on this floor, in that balcony, that you know you need to get your life right with Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to do one simple thing for me. I'm gonna ask you to just lift up your hand. That means pray for me, Pastor. If you need to get your life right with the Lord, just lift up a hand today, thank you, thank you. I'm gonna to go to the Lord in prayer, understand this. Repeating me will not save you. Repeating a prayer has never saved anybody. We don't believe in mantras and incantations. We believe in repentance. So repetition doesn't save, but repentance does, right? So my heart to you is this. If you take the prayer I pray because I don't know you and I don't know if you even know how to pray, but if you take this prayer and you passionately make it a truthful cry, sincere cry to God, he will hear you and he will meet you right now because being saved isn't about what you do for him. It's about what he's done for you. What you do for him indicates whether or not you were serious about your confession. I invite you right now, those who lifted hands, to grab this prayer and make it your heart to Jesus. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe the tomb was empty. I believe you're alive. Thank you for forgiving my sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, you need to find a leader in this church. They want to give you a Bible. And literature on what it means to serve the Lord if you have questions they would love to talk with you don't leave here without that Bible now here's the other thing please please if you're in this church and you know that you got your back up against the wall you feel like the devil's been bringing it and he's trying to mess you up and hurt you he's tearing away at your family he's tearing away at your heart he's tearing away at people you love I want to remind you this morning that when you serve the Lord when you're faithful to God the king always has one more move He's always got a way of escape for you. This morning, if you're going through it, would you get out of your chair and come up here and start thanking God that he's going to give you the next move you need to be able to make it through this situation that you're facing. Come on, you can slip out of those chairs and get up here and say, Lord, I'm thanking you for the next move. Lord, I'm thanking you for the next move. Lord, I'm thanking you for the breakthrough. I'm thanking you for the deliverance. I'm thanking you for the healing. I'm thanking you, Lord God, for setting me free from the chains of bondage and all the things that the enemy has said. It's going to stop you from being able to be who God wants you to be. Uh-uh. The king has one more move. The king has one more move this morning. And I pray that that move will be you getting to that altar and saying, Lord, I give you my everything. Let's go to the Lord this morning. I'm going to pray for you guys. As you continue to come, please keep your hearts open to spending time at this altar. I want to pray a blessing over you before you go. Be sure that you see your pastors before you leave. Give them a big hug and let them know how much you love them and appreciate them. Father, we come before you this morning. We recognize, God, that there are so many intangibles in this life that we will deal with, the suddenlies that catch us off guard. Now, they didn't catch you off guard, but they messed us up. Lord, that call that says you got cancer, that conversation with our spouse that says I'm leaving, that that moment when we find that stuff in our kid's room and we think, oh no, not my kid. Lord, that, that, that moment when we get that bill in the mail and it says, final notice. Whatever it might be, God, I'm thanking you today that when we are faithful, you have never saw your kids begging for bread. You have always provided our needs according to your glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus. When we're faithful, Lord God, who is more faithful than you? Minister to the souls of your children that are crying out to you today, O oh God. See their hearts at this altar as they turn to you and say, Lord, I need you to make that next move. Lord, I'm trusting you that you've got my best interest in mind. Lord, I believe what your word says, and I'm standing on the promises of God forever. Lord, bless your church. Encourage their hearts. Strengthen them this morning as they gather in this place to say yes to the God who holds the world in his hands and if you, by you, Lord, hold everything together, the earth on its axis revolving, everything revolves around you, Lord. If you hold everything together, the worlds and the galaxies, then I know you could hold our world together. Thank you, God, that you always got one move left. We honor and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, pastor. Amen, let's take a moment. We need to go out, bless you.